welcome everyone to the second installment of Tadros Talks, where we have candid, thought-provoking conversations discussing a wide range of topics. I'm your host, Michael Tadros, with a longtime friend of mine, Adrian Abella. Now, to briefly introduce Adrian, well, to briefly introduce his introduction, Adrian and I, uh, uh, we're actually childhood friends. We're actually, I shouldn't say childhood friends. In all honesty, Adrian was uh, more of a childhood bully to me as a kid. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm, is that too soon? Too soon that I'm going there? Too soon and wrong. Too soon. <laughs> so, no, no, guys, guys. Adrian was a childhood bully of mine, but we're <laughs> friends now. I, I would say I actually bully him a little bit more uh, yes. now. But Adrian, introduce yourself. Hello, folks. Uh, my name is Adrian Abella. I go by AAA. Most people call me that. It's true. Uh, I'm currently a student at the University of Toronto, Mississauga, trying to get a computer science major and also a political science major. Uh, and yeah, you know, friends with Michael for a long time since uh, the third grade. I would I would describe us more as frenemies throughout most uh, of the time we knew each other. But oh, come, uh, on, come on, you love me. Stop lying. Stop lying. Now. Now I do. But that could change. <laughs> uh you're funny. No, 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 no. Adrian and I are we're we're gonna be brothers forever. No, no, no. I I I, I, I refuse. I refuse. I'll hire him as my lawyer when he uh, finally graduates. Uh that's funny. Uh no, anyways. <laughs> no, I mean I'll take it, man. I'll, I'll I'll take the job. I'll take I'll take whatever, man. But uh as as of Tadris Talks uh, tradition, I want you to tell us more about your program. Tell us about your time at UTM, you were starting Masaga. Okay, well sure. I mean I'll start you know, by saying uh, originally, I really wanted to do computer science, like for the longest time, that's all I really ever wanted to do. And I very much wanted to go to UFT. Okay, that was like number one school, so much so that every single option that I had for uh, the OUAC application, right, we get three options. Uh, I chose all three different UFT campuses for computer science. That's what I did. So I'm gonna ask you one more question that that is, you know, CompSci related, and then we're mm -hmm. gonna move on to the spicy topic that is Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, uh -huh. which we'll talk about for a very long time. But the one question is, so you've always wanted computer science. I have, for example, George I've had last week, he's always wanted engineering. Uh -huh. um, in your perspective, uh, do you find there anything that sticks out to you more, computer science, um, like that, that you felt more, I guess, attractive? I know you told me that, you know, you dropped the sciences. And so like in grade 12, it was kind of like you're, oh. you were set up computer science and you dropped the sciences. Yeah. But hypothetically, if you could change it to engineering now, like would you, and like try to tell me like distinguish between computer science and engineering and why you specifically chose computer science. Okay. So, I mean, okay. Number one, it's tough. Okay. I, I feel like computer science has always run in my family. You know, I, it's, I don't want to admit it very much, but my dad is in computer science. My sister did computer science at Laurier. And now I'm doing computer science, right? So obviously something right in my family has affected my want for computer science. The thing specifically, okay, to distinguish between computer science and software engineering is that computer science is effectively a division of mathematics, okay? It's that math oriented. Yeah, you often get this, you know, practical, um, you know, this practical, practical application doing, uh, you know, software developing and such things, but most of the courses you'll find are very math oriented. Okay. And that's, you know, it's that way for a reason, because this is teaching you, it's more than just software engineering. You're like, you're not just learning, you know, APIs and code repositories mm -hmm. and just learning how to code, you know, with computer science, you're learning, you know, 
you know, bigger notation, time efficiency, statistics, like it goes deep, deep, deep into the math and logic as well. It's very important. And it'll take you through so many, it's like a, a truly fundamental like computer mm -hmm. fundamental course, right? More so than software engineering, which is very uh, high level, okay? It's very top level rather, mm -hmm. coding and such. I see, I see. Okay, that, that makes sense. I I have an uncle who's, you know, um, a computer science professor, you know, or, or part-time professor slash lecturer, and also, you know, works as like a, a senior computer scientist. And he tells me, he tells me that computer science is much more, of the pure pure science, uh -huh. um, so I, 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 that makes sense. I mean, and obviously, of course, there is a lot of overlap, but I, I see there's some there's a good amount of distinction between the two. Uh -huh. um, but I know many of my, many people are waiting for us to dive in, as you guys may or may not know. Adrian and I went to a Jordan Peterson lecture just you know the other day, and downtown Toronto. And I gotta say, I was disappointed by the fact that it started like forty minutes late. Mm -hmm. And finished five minutes early, and I paid one hundred thirty dollars. I felt like a little bit robbed, but I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I'm a sucker for Jordan Peterson. Sure. If I was thirty, <laughs> emphasize 30... that sucker. Okay, allow, allow, allow. Um, so, <laughs> so for thirty, I'd say for 30, even like one hundred thirty dollars, I would, I would pay for thirty seconds of hearing Jordan Peterson talk. I'm that big of a fan. Apparently, guys, Adrian, Adrian's kind of fake. Adrian's like a, a borderline Jordan Peterson fan. He's a uh, He's just not. He just doesn't. He just. He's not. He's just not. He's not. He's built. He's just not like. He's not like us, man. He's not like us. You know. I'll be honest. Uh, that's my. That, that was my sort of behavior walking into the lecture. But I like. In all honesty, when he came out on the stage, I felt like I was in the presence of a god for a split second. Okay, that later went away. But genuinely, I was like awestruck. Okay. 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 There. I wouldn't use the word God, but no, I, I agree with you. I feel like when you walked in, I felt like it was in the presence of greatness. Yeah. Like a, yeah, a great yeah. man sure. has like one of the greatest like minds of our time. Okay, okay. We're not, AJ, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. I would be, I would be much more static if Jesus was on that stage. Okay. Anyways. No, no. But I'm, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that like, it just, his, it's just, everything about Jordan Pearson just screams out intellectual. Like, mm. I think, I generally think. He's one of the greatest minds of our time. And I, I wouldn't say okay. I agree with him on everything. I, I, to be honest, I agree with him on most things. Mm -hmm. But I feel like even if you don't like him, you have to admit that he's, number one, he's gifted. He's like, he's, he's mm -hmm. one of the great, he's, he's very, like, he's, he's very smart. He's very yeah. well read. Yeah. And I would say he's quite fair. It doesn't mean he's never yeah. wrong. Yeah. It doesn't mean he does it like, I, I agree. Some of his takes, some people, you know, really, really, you know, you know, like the lobsters, for example. Uh, some people like to really critique that, but all all things considered, I think Jordan Pearson is a very well respected man. One hundred percent. Among conservative talk talkers and such, like everybody I talk to that you know is not a conservative, more of a leftist, they all find that Jordan Peterson, among all of them, is the most respectable. Truly. No, I agree. I agree. And by the way, like I would say, I lean a little bit to the right, mm -hmm. and there are a lot of like conservative. Uh, how to say this? Like. Uh, conservative figures public figures like mm -hmm. you know ben shapiro candace yeah. owens that are like they're they i have to admit they know what they're talking about and i agree with them on some topics Maybe. but i agree with them on a lot i disagree with them on a lot of other topics you yeah. know what i mean like no doubt ben shapiro is one heck of a child genius i mean a child because he looks he still looks like one mm -hmm. but 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 there are a lot of things their takes that ben shapiro has that i'm just like yeah, I I don't know about this one, yeah. but I, I and I and I think the 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 thing that differentiates Jordan Pearson from many other 
I guess, political figures, both on the left or right, is that Jordan Peterson is one of the very few, uh, I call them, you know, scientific, like, you know, political figures or political scientists, like whatever you call it. But basically, Jordan Peterson is not out to prove his, you know, ideology. He's out to, to figure, to you know, like, to find what's true. He's, he's in the pursuit of truth, you know? And a lot of, like, no disrespect to Ben Shapiro, no disrespect to AOC, no disrespect to, you know, like many of the other figures on both sides. They could be, they, they could be well-read, but the problem is that a lot of times they're they're focused on finding arguments for their side of the argument, right? Yeah, they're focused, yeah. Or they're focused on finding facts that support their argument. They're, they're not willing to accept that their argument could be wrong, yeah, and yeah. thus I should... I should search for facts on both ends to actually draw a conclusion. Like, I, I this just this just how I feel. Let's talk about Ben Shapiro, for example, Candace Owens, um, Michael Knowles. I, I I have to admit they're smart people, but sometimes I feel like they jump, they they have their stance, and then then they find the facts. They don't find yeah. the facts, then form their stance. Very true. And and obviously there's this is no judgment to them because it's very hard. It's very hard to not do that. Like it's. Confirmation bias is something that's very difficult to overcome. It's very difficult to overcome. So the fact that Jordan Peterson, I would say, is as good as it gets, is something that I I find very respect, respectable. Or yeah, respectable. Yeah. Well, you know, that's not to mention, you know, the somewhat obvious conflicts of interest be behind a lot of these organizations like the Daily Wire. They got like mm -hmm. big oil money into them and PragerU especially who takes mm -hmm. a bunch of donations from questionable people. You know, that's not to say that what they're saying is necessarily wrong, but there's a conflict of interest that at the very least somewhat slightly sways their opinion on some matters. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, it's, they're not very, they're not the best sources of, yeah you know, that thing, the truth, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And by the way, I, I, in all honesty, I wouldn't even like describe Jordan Pearson as a conservative. I mean, maybe conservative, but he's not a very typical conservative. Like his, he's, I, like he says, and I do see, I feel like he is temperamentally like liberal. He's just for political reasons. He found himself just on the conservative coin. Yeah. He's um, classically a liberal. I mean, that, that would be, yeah, no, I would, I would say so. Yeah. But that to, you know, today that would be, I've been on the right. Yeah. Well, like, I would say, I would say nowadays, it's, it's how it works in any society over time. Just people become more liberal. Yeah. Um, until a new society forms, it starts out very conservative, and sure. like, we could talk about the the anthropologic science of that. But sure. just ex you guys, just take guys, just take my word for it as we're having this conversation. But yeah, I would say, in the past, he would have been, you know, a, like a classic liberal, uh -huh. maybe even a libertarian in a sense. Uh -huh. But I would say now he's been shifted almost to like a or categorized into like a. A moderate conservative, but I, I feel like he's he's very slightly conservative. Yeah. Well, look, I, I don't care much for what political distinction they give him. The one I just hate the most is that they call him like a what the pipeline to the alt right or whatever you know but, to but white look, supremacy and shit but like that, that. Like that's like that that's that's just dumb. Like we all know, we all know. There's plenty know. of people that think that way. I mean, it's ridiculous. But uh, man. I mean, you saw you saw the lecture we went to. You know, there was plenty of plenty of white people. No, huh? but okay. But here's the thing. So I, I I don't know. As you guys know, Michael Tadros is an Egyptian young fellow. Um, Adrian's Cuban. He looks yeah. very white, though. Well, I'm white. So, I'm white. You know. Okay. Think, well, yeah. you're well, you you well, you're 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 white passing, but you're not white, no. Yeah, true. I'm white passing. So so white passing. I'm obviously not not very white passing, but like I gotta be honest. 
I've interacted with many people at that at that show. The, it was not like it was. I, I would say it equally represented the Canadian population. Maybe not the Toronto population because Toronto is much much more multicultural. Yeah. But I would say if like it, it had just as many white people in that room as like percentage wise as there are in the country. I felt like I saw I saw like a, a very good amount of like you know South Asian people, um, Northeastern Asians. So yeah. like for example like people. Chinese, Japanese, Korean, and mm-hmm. Indian, Pakistani. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw. I I I, I, I actually met two, um, you know, Egyptians from my church there. Oh, nice. Um, like I, I didn't. It did not feel. It did not feel predominantly white. I, like that's not the feeling that I got. And there were certainly zero, any type of like, like to even discuss to, to even discuss white supremacy at a Jordan Pearson talk is, is a little bit ridiculous. And I'll tell you why because. I like I, as many of my as much as my conservative friends don't like it when I say this. I have to admit that you can be a liberal and say nothing wrong, but still enable and someone from Antifa, and you can be a conservative and say nothing wrong, but still enable like a KKK or white supremacist or whatever group. But I, the thing about Jordan Pearson is, I generally do not like. I he doesn't enable white supremacists in any way because. Jordan, the way Jordan, the thing about Jordan Pearson is, he doesn't critique the left. He critiques, or like he critiques some basic things like group identity, like the fact that a lot of groups they 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 feel that you know your group identity is more important than your individual identity. So, for example, me as as Michael, I should the most important thing about me is not that I'm Michael, not that I have my own ideas, not that I have my own thoughts, but that it's that I'm a male, it's that I'm straight, and it's that I'm I don't know Egyptian, right? So that critique of group identity applies on both coins, right? Mm. But like both leftists and I guess people on the right, both on both end, a lot of people on both ends play identity politics. So Jordan Pearson's critique of identity politics actually applies to both. It's just that nowadays they're very they're just they're just there's not as many radical, you know, people on the right as there was in the past. And mm. so you know, like it's just it's not that he's critiquing them, he is critiquing them. In fact, I will not tell you from where I met this person or how I met him, but I I I have met one person, sadly, who told me he's like Jordan Pearson because he feels like Jordan Pearson likes the um, I I don't want to say this, but the ethnic people too much. You know what I mean? I don't. I, I it was a very odd conversation I had with him. It was definitely very um, how do I say this politely? Thought provoking. Thought provoking. Um, but yeah, but I that's I think that's what I like about Jordan Pearson. He's he's very unbiased. You know what I mean? Even if yeah. you, even if if let it be said that he's wrong, he's very unbiased. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, even okay. The thing that attracts me the most to Jordan Peterson is that value of individualism. Okay, that is by far the most important thing to me. Being individually responsible, uh, you know, taking care of yourself first and your family, right, and your health. Okay, that's important stuff. Okay, I agree. Um, you got to look at white supremacists, the alt-right, all those people. They don't like Jordan Peterson, okay? A lot of them, they don't actually like Jordan Peterson because they don't believe in that absence of group identity. They don't believe in individual thought. I, honestly, I would say all of them, to be honest. I would go I would go as much to say all of them, but but yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, this idea they have, you know, of a white ethno state or whatever the hell, this this goes against every liberal, classic liberal sort of ideology that that Jordan Peterson would be intentionally or unintentionally spreading. Okay, so they don't jive with uh, with each other. 
Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Even even apolitically, even apolitically, mm-hmm. anybody can find value in 12, 12 rules for life. Those ev uh, anybody. You like you don't have to be fucking political. What's that rule? It's the um going to every conversation assuming somebody Oh yeah, yeah. Assume that dude, the person you're listening to might know something you don't. That is rule number that nine. That is so powerful. I fucking love that. Oh, you know geez. what? You know what, guys? <laughs> I think, you know, I think it's best that I, I read out to you guys the 12 rules of, from Julian Pearson's book. And I think, like, I think, I think, I think each rule really has true wisdom behind it. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, like, I know it might take a, a minute or two, but I, I really think it's worth it. So rule number one is stand up straight with your shoulders, uh, shoulders back. So that talks about confidence and how uh-huh. confidence yourself and how being the courageous in the world and so on and so forth yeah. can really take you far. Treat, rule number two is treat yourself like you're someone who are responsible for helping. It's self-explanatory. Three is make friends with people who want the best for you. Mm-hmm. Four, this one, this one, I gotta be honest. I really disagree with this one for a long time, but it's very recently after I've read the chapter, I've really seen utility in this rule. Rule number four is compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Mm. That one's really powerful. Rule number five, this one's kind of funny. Do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. Yeah, I don't know much about that one. I mean, I don't. No, know. I would, I would, I, I, I would explain it. I'll explain the chapter very briefly. He talks about how a lot of times you have small problems in life and you let them grow, and when you do that, it's too late. So he's saying is, if you have a small child, he uses the, 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 the child as an analogy. If you have a small child, and he's doing something you dislike, the solution is not not to let that small child grow up, continuing to to do the things you dislike. Just like it's not, it's not proper for you to have a problem in your life and to ignore that problem and let it grow. Until it can no longer be solved. Just like if you, you know, Fajal has a certain trait that is, I guess, socially unacceptable. Yeah. Your responsibility as a parent is, 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 is to, to fix that. Now, rule number six is set your house in. This one is really good because it's relevant yeah. to exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, to type one that, you know, to tie that one back to religion, isn't that just kind of like uh, Jesus, you know, let he who is without sin cast the first stone? That's ex- See, that's why I love Jesus. <laughs> oh my! Fun fact, guys. Adrian, Adrian's an atheist, but but today we've we've decided to <laughs> we've decided to unite in the in the name of Jordan Peterson. But uh, no, no, that's that is true. That is true. That's actually it's actually a perfect analogy. And because here's the problem: is this is what we're talking about individual responsibility earlier? Is that um, there, there's no doubt the world is not a perfect place. But the problem is, is that. The, changing the world does not start with you going out and protesting and, 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 and telling other people to fix their problems or your problems. It starts with first taking matters into your own hand, fixing your problems, yeah. Yeah. working from small and working your way up. Yeah. First, because think of it like this. If you can't take care of yourself, your family, your local community, how can you take care of the world? It's, first, you start with yourself, your immediate family, your extended family, your community. And then if you have enough privilege enough responsibility then you spread that to the rest of the world but it's if you're not if your bills aren't paid if you're if you don't have healthy relationships it just it doesn't make sense to go out and demand all these large scale you know global change for many reasons number one it's i mean i find that like ironic and odd but i don't think one has the wisdom to do so like i think there's there's wisdom that only comes from solving your own problems that can then be used to solving other people's problems if you don't have the wisdom to solve your own problems how can you have the wisdom to solve the world's problem you know what i mean it's and and the problem is is that's the thing about individual responsibilities if everyone took responsibility of their own lives many of the world's problems if not all would be solved like 
that that if when everyone when it comes to like all these you know global global change and all these world problems if everyone just blames a shift on other people like or or sorry like like tilts a shift and 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 and, bla- and blames other people then like there will never be there will never be any solution because yeah well uh, you have to start with yourself in certain cases you kind of do need to help other people because they can help themselves. I mean, in a like in a country where you know you have a military dictatorship, they got the guns, they oppress the people. You they kind of don't have any other hope. No, to I totally do. agree. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. But but the thing is, you can't be the one advocating for them if you're not yeah. the if 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 you don't if if your if your life isn't if your life can be much better. Obviously, our life can never be perfect. But if you have big, if your grades are, if you're failing, if you don't have a job, if uh-huh. you don't, if you don't talk to your parents, like if you have big problems in your life, it's just it doesn't make sense to go out and fix other people's problems when you can't even fix your own. Yeah, that's the thing about individual responsibilities. That if everyone took up the responsibility of their own lives, there would be no world problems because every problem would be fixed straight from home. Like for example, let's talk about you know global change, you know, sorry, climate change, global warming, so on and so forth. Now, I personally think that yeah, climate climate change is a problem. The global is warming, but it doesn't make sense for an individual to go out and advocate for all these um, large scale uh, political and legal changes if they're not recycling, right? Uh-huh. If 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 they're not doing things that could help the environment. If you're not starting from home, then how can you go out and start from government? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Oh, oh, just to add on to that, not only okay should you should you be individually responsible, but you should not expect other people to have to hold your hand for you throughout your entire life. Okay, that should not be primary concern of people. Like there are way too many people who are gimme gimme instead of give give. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I mean, okay, I use this example. It's not. Let's not get too political, but. Uh, healthcare. Okay. When people say healthcare is a human right. Okay. Look, I'm a capitalist. All right. But I think the Canadian healthcare system works pretty well. Okay. Mm, I think, yeah. Yeah. uh, Practically speaking, healthcare is pretty good socialized. Mm. Right. Mm. But this idea that healthcare is a human right, you think that you're entitled to somebody else's labor? Because that's what healthcare is. Mm. Doctors, doctors, nurses, whoever, they have to labor Mm. in order to give you healthcare. Okay, mm-hmm. you're not entitled to anybody else's actions. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got to start with yourself. Well, I, I I totally agree, but I want to preface this for some of the viewers that are maybe don't get our terminology. Um, healthcare is a right and a privilege at the same time, and I'll explain. So, for example, um, healthcare is a privilege in the sense that just saying it's a right doesn't mean it can appear. Like it's a privilege in the sense that you're privileged to be in a country that has socialized healthcare, right? It doesn't make sense for somebody to go to, I don't know, Cambodia or mm. even the, U- the US and mm. be like, you know what? Hel- I decided that healthcare is a right and thus mm. you have to service me and give me healthcare. It yeah. doesn't work that way. However, within the country that we're in, given that you're paying taxes, given that you're a resident or you know citizen of Canada, mm-hmm. healthcare is a right to you. You're that entitled privilege, to it, right? Exactly, exactly. You're entitled to that privilege. Correct. Thus, it leg- legally makes it a right, but it, I yeah. want to say it's morally a right. Like, you... you the problem is many people, they, they, they distinguish between like a need and a right. They're not the same thing. Yeah. So you need food, water, you know, um, shelter, groceries, whatever, well, you know, groceries are food, but 
so on and so forth. You need healthcare, but the problem is, is saying groceries are right, saying gas is right, saying you know post-secondary institution is right, saying housing are right. It doesn't make it doesn't make them appear. Like the the, the economic fact is that socializing everything doesn't work. I, for example, I think socializing healthcare is a, is a, is, a, is a great system. Mm-hmm. I, I would say I would define myself as a capitalist, but I would say socialized healthcare. I would say generally works better than privatized healthcare for the simple fact that in the U.S., sure. You know, healthcare might be affordable to the state, or in the, in the macro, it might be more affordable. Um, for example, like people think that Canadian healthcare is free. It's not free. It's very expensive to the government. It's yeah, very expensive yeah, yeah. through tax through taxes. Yeah. But and and I would, I would even say American healthcare is of higher quality. But I would say the fact that Canadian healthcare is accessible to everyone and nobody has to sell their house yeah. and rent exactly. to treat their wife for cancer right. or whatever sick disease. Right. That that is a benefit that I'm willing. That is like that's huge. That that's that's life changing. That is, is, I think it's worth it. But like, here's my problem. For example, with you know socialized post secondary institution, right? For example, I'm Egyptian. Some of my Egyptian friends are listening in. Post secondary institution in Egypt is is socialized. This is a problem. Why is it a problem? Well, because if if university is free for everyone, then everyone just goes to university. Yeah. Because why not? use that free service you have to. But the right. problem is if everyone's going to school, then that degree is now less valuable. Yeah. You're wasting the country's resources. Yeah. And now that degree that degree is less valuable, it's now it's useless. So yep. now you've wasted time, you've wasted the government's money, so practically your money. And now that degree is less useful. And even if and the problem is like people graduate and then then what? You know what I mean? But yeah. when you have when you have post secondary institution, you have to actually pay for it, then it ensures or at least encourages that only people that really need or at least really want education yep. actually get it yeah yeah no i can tell you this uh for, you know for myself in cuba obviously i'm cuban cuba uh is a socialist country mm-hmm. university is free as well okay mm-hmm. what do you get famous stories how doctors make less in a month than taxi drivers make less in a month than uh, hotel workers yep. okay Do- Anybody can be a doctor in Cuba. You go to medical school, which you can do, you become a doctor. There's a humongous supply of them, okay? Almost everybody. I don't know. I, I don't think my mom went to post-secondary, but my dad went to post-secondary for computer engineering. He became a photographer, okay? Very rarely do you actually even end up with the job that you want because either there's a humongous supply of them or it's just not worth it to work. Like, it's not going to help you live. You literally have to do two or three jobs, all different kinds, to actually make ends meet, Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like I said, I, I, I want to preface by saying that the problem isn't s- s- any socialized system. I think socialized systems with the right system can work very well. But yeah, because just because socialized healthcare works well doesn't mean that socialized post-secondary education is going to well. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean I don't know socialized like people were talking about socialized like housing. You know, everyone like, like something crazy like that. Um, like, like that, it just it, economics doesn't work that way. It's just it's just not economically possible, and the the problem is is when you make everything. Here's a beautiful thing about capitalism, and and you guys can hate me for this, but if I give you a hundred dollars, if I give you a million dollars, and I told you spend it, we all admit that we all don't have the same needs. We all don't have the same well, similar needs, but we don't all don't have the same needs and wants. So if, the more socialized things we have, the more inefficient. The system is why, because not everyone use needs needs healthcare, or, or and since not everyone needs healthcare to the same degree, so when you socialize that, everyone uses the system and wastes, you know, taxpayers' money. I I'm willing to accept that because I think that the lack of healthcare is such a big problem. 
You know what I mean? However, in other things, it's not life or death. So, for example, I do not think that socialized, you know, plastic institution is, is, is really a necessity because, like I said, it's just how it is. The more, like, if, if, if I give you, if I give you a, a privilege, you're going to use it, even if you don't need it. But when I, in a capital system where I tell you, here's your budget, here's what you're able to do, choose what you'd, what you'd, what you'd like to, you know, to partake in or to spend in uh-huh. and don't spend what you don't care about. Every, the system becomes just more efficient because there's nothing going to waste. There's uh-huh. no service that is unused or, un, or used for no need. So, so, every, so if you care about education, you send your kids, you send your kids to a good school. Uh-huh. If, you, if, if you really care eating, eating the best food, you buy the best food. If you really uh-huh. care about living in the best house, you buy the best house. But yeah. the more you socialize things, the more, the, the, the more the, the, like everyone uses that given you know, socialized right to them and then the quality goes down the, ta- the, the cost goes up and eventually the system collapses. So I think it's very, I think I, 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 I have, you know, reverence for my friends who are very, you know, passionate about this topic of, or this system of socialism, but I think it's very important that we're wise, we're wise about, we're wise about this particular topic, but we're also wise about any large scale change. Yeah. No, it, 100%. There is no doubt. And even socialists, okay, believe in this these days. They have to, I guess. Mark the market is powerful. The market works. The market is effective. At the very least, at the very least, with consumer goods like you know electronics and toys or whatever, capitalism and the free market works in those situations, right? And then we can start having discussions about things that are more necessary, like pharmaceuticals and yeah. and housing yeah. and food and such things. Where yeah. you know then we can start talking about regulation yeah. and yeah. those kinds of things. You understand? And by the way. I, I, I don't think Adrian is saying this, and I'm not saying this. At least, nobody's saying free markets are, are they're perfect. Uh, Adrian, do you think they're perfect systems? No. Well, anybody can sort of. Yeah, exactly. They're not, they're by no means perfect. But the no. thing is that, as much as my some of my socialist friends are going to listen again, what's up, guys? As as much <laughs> as my socialist friends are listening, and they don't like this. Um, I th- I think it's the best system we have, and I, I and I think yep. it's like let it be said what you want about capitalism or you know free markets, but. Capitalism has lifted tens of millions of people in this 20th century alone yeah. out of poverty. Yeah. And, and I could, we could argue this all day, but I, I just, it's just, it's just a fact, right? And yeah. I think what, what did communism do, which is just, uh, you know, a more radical form of, 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 you know, of a socialized system, it mm-hmm. has arguably killed 105 people, 105 million people. Yeah. So, Cruelly, it's, it's awful. I recommend to anyone yeah, yeah. Uh, watch uh, the movie First They Killed My Father. It's directed by Angelina Jolie. The, it's uh, it's a story I didn't even know. It's about the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. Okay, they were these uh, mm-hmm. insane communists that came mm-hmm. from the rainforest, literally, um, and they started just absolutely demolishing the population. It was insane. Okay, mm-hmm. and all in the like it wasn't corrupt okay it was all in the name of this ideology that everybody must share that everybody must live communally that everybody that there is no family structure because if there's a family structure oh well you're going to care about your family more than you're going to care about your fellow man but you're all comrades right you're all together anyways watch the movie it's the horrors of communism are insane okay i'm cuban all right cubans uh cuban immigrants are um you know, stereotypically incredibly anti-communist, yeah. but like I didn't just arrive at these conclusions from my parents or you know from other people that I know Cubans. 
This is truly how it is, okay? Around the world, always. Communism has never worked, will never work, and socialism has yet to. We have, I, 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 socialism, we have to, or socialist systems, we have to be very, we have to be, we have to really tread waters. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I think. I think, like, I think, generally speaking, a socialized health system is, works better. Yeah. But I think there are a lot of problems with our specific system that it's inefficient and it's wasting a lot of taxpayers. 100%. Yeah, you know, uh, I yeah. forgot to mention, centralization is inefficient, okay? By all, mm -hmm. by all definition, the government having control over certain institutions, yeah. it is inefficient. So Adrian, Adrian. So I, we know we know both what you mean, but just going to, going to in depth more about what you mean by centralization for some of our viewers that are okay. unaware of what you mean. So centralization means that you have a central, well, you know, it's in the name, a central sort of organization, typically the government, that takes control over certain industries. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, Venezuela, when they became socialist after they elected Hugo Chavez, they centralized their oil industry. Okay, in centralizing their oil industry, who did they put in charge? They put in charge politicians, mm -hmm. okay, to determine uh, how the oil industry will be uh, will be developed. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, in doing so, okay, what they essentially do is forget about profit, forget about trading with other countries. Their primary motive, okay, is for the people, and that while that may seem pretty uh you know pretty good like a pretty good thing ultimately when you don't have that primary motive of money okay of profit it doesn't work as efficiently because profit uh, unfortunately or fortunately is a very good incentive for things to work better and for things to improve as it has shown innovation under capitalism is unmatched everywhere exactly and this is exactly why you know Marx, sorry, Marx will tell you this. Okay, Marx will tell you this. Capitalism, nothing rivals capitalism when it comes to production. And when communism tries, it leads to that figure you gave, uh, yeah. Michael, 105 million deaths. Yeah. yeah, and that's another thing that we were discussing before, you know, Adrian and I, like uh, previously, is that a problem with communism is that people don't understand is that there's incentive in capitalism. There's a, there's incentive, and the incentive is that you work hard. Most of the time, mm -hmm. you will reap. At the very least, some of the benefit mm -hmm. of your of your labor. At the very least, yep. right? You at some point will get a promotion. You don't. You're, let's say you have a bad boss, you leave. You start your own business, right? At some point, you will reap the you, like. Somebody will recognize your innovation. At at some point, you will reap the benefits of your labor. Problem with communism is that, especially when the larger the system is, the more the more the more work you give in, th there's no incentive, right? So you work harder for who? For you know, some of my 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 socialist friends they tell me, well, you know, you need to work hard enough to help, you know, your fellow your fellow members of the community, your fellow members of the state. That sounds very dandy and all, but that's that's unrealistic, right? Yeah. Ninety nine percent of human beings, like, you can't just get them to work hard. Like, it's it's very difficult to really work hard. And I mean, sleep four hours a day. I mean, work twelve hours a day. I mean non-stop grinding it's very difficult to do that for people that you don't even know let alone despise like it's 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 just it's, it's it doesn't make sense to do that quote-unquote for the state it's, just, it's not how our brain is wired right yeah especially no. it's, it's yeah. even if you are a completely compassionate person and you're willing to do that yeah. our brain is not wired to work that hard with no visible result or, or reward right so mm -hmm. 
let's just say, for example, that you were a quote-unquote capitalist and you worked all day to help other people. You're just the way our brains are wired. You need a, a short-term reward to tell you that you're on the right path to continue working hard. And then whenever you, whenever your check comes in or your, you know, whatever it may be, then you give that to the poor, so or so on and so forth. But it's just the problem is, is that a lot of these systems like socialism and communism is on paper they sound good, but they require a lot of optimism to work. And the, the, how do I say this? But the the, the nature of human beings is not the way I guess many uh, I, I guess um, left leaning um, thinkers believe. Very true. Very true. And you have to contend with that. Just humans aren't very wired for uh, you know this socialist and communist thinking. Um, ants are ants, yeah. ants are, but we're, unfortunately we're not ants. So I don't know what to tell you guys. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, we're not worker ants. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the way I see it, um, there's this, uh, uh, political philosopher, John Rawls, he has these criteria essentially for what would create a just society oh. and in the second principle, rather it's a principle, uh, there's a secondary principle that's uh, that's the difference principle. Essentially it's that mm. let's say group a and group B on a scale of zero to 10 in terms of success, well-being, whatever it is, are both a two, right? Okay, they're equal, they're both a two, mm -hmm. okay? But let's say in this other situation, group A is an 80, or my bad, an eight, and group B is a five. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're unequal. There's an unequalness of three. That's mm -hmm. not good, is it? Well, hold on. They improved from the two that they were at before. Sure, group A improved a whole six, mm -hmm. but you still improved a whole three, right? This exactly. inequality, right? Though you're unequal, it led an, to an overall benefit to you, okay? Exactly. So that's how I see it. As long as the least advantaged group overall benefits from mm -hmm. inequalities, then it's good. Okay? And by the way, by the way, just so you guys know, in, in almost every country, the poor are getting richer much yep. faster yep. than the rich are getting richer. Oh. There's no doubt the rich are getting richer, but the poor are getting significantly richer than mm -hmm. the than the rich. Yeah. Like, look, not too long ago, there was a time where people, only rich people could afford iPhones or, or cell phones. Everyone has a cell phone now. There's a time where only certain individuals could afford a car. Almost everyone has a car now. <laughs> there was a time like there were there's time where only few people could afford a plane ticket and go on vacation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most people can afford, you know, um, flights now with vacations. And the poor is getting the poor and middle class are getting richer much faster than the rich is getting richer. And this leads to another topic: inequality. Uh -huh. This could be a whole, you know, ten episodes, whole season yeah. of Tadras talks. But to make it short and simple, I think people make the distinction between inequality and injustice. Yeah. Explain, and I'll explain what I mean. Agent, I guess. Probably you know what I'm talking about, but I'll, I'll explain for our audience. Um, I'll give you an example. Let's just say, for example, that Adrian Adrian works really hard. Adrian and I um, are in the same class. He gets a 97 on his comp sci test. I get a I don't know a 34 because uh, I don't know I'm lazy. I don't I don't know anything about comp sci. Uh, whatever. So. If 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 Adrian worked harder than I did, and I didn't, that's an inequality. Uh -huh. It's not an injustice, right? right? 
an equality would be if we added our grades together, we divided them, and we got 65.5% for the both of us. I think that's I guys don't I think I think so. Sixty five point five percent uh for the both of us, so let's say sixty six. That's an equality. Um that's an injustice, right? So what's another another example? If if Adrian and I and then people say, Well, you know what? Uh, I, I don't even post it. I feel like it's too strong on RB for everyone to respond to. But <laughs> but another example is people like to add the term democratic in front of the term socialism or so on. Problem is, is just because something is confirmed by consensus, it doesn't make it moral. So if we all vote, let's just say I'm in a room and t nine people vote to beat up one person's one person and take all his money and split it evenly. That's democratic. That's equality. It's not justice. Sometimes, yeah. ju sometimes justice has an equality, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes equality has injustice. That's how it is. Okay. So, I yeah, want to yeah. hammer hammer in this point a little bit. It's a little bit a bit of a tension from inequality, but yeah, this this idea of democratic socialism. Okay, this is I see dem democracy as an overarching principle for socialists. Yeah. Okay, yeah. they generally socialists today. You know the market type socialists. They believe in worker co-ops. Right, that every business should be a worker co-op. That every decision that happens in a business should be a democratic decision among everybody that works there. Right, because yeah. you work there, you spend yeah. your life there, and this and that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, generally, I don't see democracy as a as a value. I see it as a tool. Generally, it's pretty good. Right, democracy is pretty good, but you know, I, overall, I value freedom, right? I value freedom and liberty and our civil rights, right? And, and our economic rights. The best way to protect those is through democracy, right? Yeah. But when it comes to somebody's private property, why do you think you should have the right to decide what somebody should do with their property, even if it's not like, really uh, disrupting you, if it's not actually providing an injustice, okay? An injustice, I don't see a reason why democracy is even at all valuable, even when people agree that, no, we're not going to do this democratically, right? Like a sole proprietorship, right? Where one person runs the business or a corporation where there's this hierarchy of people that manage and such things, right? When you go into those businesses, you're signing a contract, uh, you know, in a verbal agreement that, yeah, I'll listen to what you have to say. So I get money and I, you know, I produce for you so you can make money. No, but, but you know, it I, I would like to say that democracy, like it has its, it has its use. It has, it has a very important use. A democracy very important can be tyrannical. Democracy can be as tyrannical. But, but that's my point. That's my yeah. point is that democracy, yeah. right? The, there is a reason why, for example, the United States, the United States is not a democracy. It's a, it's a democratic republic. Why? Mm -hmm. Because just because something is democratic doesn't mean it's moral. So the idea of a republic is that it equally represents every group mm -hmm. of that country. Right. And so democracy has its value democracy has its perks but democracy is not the end-all be-all of moral of moral dilemmas D democracy is a tool to yep. problems it's not yep. the it's not a solution yeah that makes any sense right makes complete sense um oh. no no yeah actually i'll i think i'll uh i'll get back to jordan pearson because uh oh right right well, we were you, talking I, about jordan pearson yeah i don't know if you guys could tell i i, I uh, i'm a fan if i if i if i, <laughs> if I got to forgot to mention earlier mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. shout out um, to my guy jordan peterson shout out to, one more time if you guys shout out to my guy jordan pearson <laughs> why did you do uh, that last time you're like shout out to my guy joe rogan 
<laughs> As if you knew Joe Rogan. Do you remember? It was. It was. <laughs> yeah, no, it takes four. It takes four. It was a joke. It was a joke. Loud, loud, loud. Anyways, anyways. So I remember something. Something really interesting that Jody Person was talking about at the talk and uh, I guess many other talks is that um, he was talking about the the parable. Um, uh, my Christian friends are gonna kill me right now, but the parable of the three men with the with unequal amount of talents. So the man with the ten talents, I think it's the or five, the three, the yeah, sorry, the five talents, the three and the one, and how that there's there's no denying that. There's an injustice on what people have. Like, even if we were to equalize all the privileges somehow that people have, even even if we were to somehow all mix it to one race, and there is no racial privilege, and and we and there's no socioeconomic privilege, and there's no whatever privilege, there are innate privileges within us. There, are like, like LeBron is six nine, two eighty, pure muscle yeah. athlete. Like, let me tell you, bro, I am not six yeah. nine, and I cannot dunk like LeBron. You know what I mean? Right, like Stephen Hawking is a lot better at physics than I am. Yeah. So, you know, rest in peace. Um, shout out to my guy Stephen Hawking. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> okay, so, bro, just loud, just loud, bro. I just I made one joke about Joe Rogan, man, and you won't even you won't even move on, man. You came on my own podcast, embarrassing me, man. It is what it is. It is what it is. No, but guys, guys, seriously, no. shout out to my guy Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> but th- but that's what I'm saying though is that from you know my Christian perspective. Right, is that there's an injustice of of the gifts that people are given, but according to that parable, um, and according to just how I how how I view the world, is that there is a justice of who is of what is asked of everyone. So just if if anyone who's, is unfamiliar, there's a parable in the Bible where there's a master with three uh, servants. One ha- one is given five talents, or let's just call it five coins. One is given three, and one is given one. The first um, the first servant. Um, you know, uses his uh, his as you know his his, his gift and um, gets five more. The second servant uses his gift of three and gets three more. The last one is shamed of his one and buries it and has no use of it. When the master came back, he blessed um, the one who duplicated the five, the one who duplicated the three, and harshly punished the one who did not duplicate the one. Not because he had one, but because he had one and he did not turn it into two. So I think the problem is is that like everyone has to accept that we have we have we're all we have all got different god-given gifts and talents. We all we all have our own privileges, we all have our own, you know, uh, blessings. But it's up to you to use each gift, each blessing that you have, you know, from God or whatever you believe in. Um to 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 use that in 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 your best interest and to duplicate that. Right. When so, God gives you lemons, make lemonade. Right. Oh my God. Yes. That's, uh, is that uh, what it is? Uh, roughly speaking, uh, very, very roughly speaking. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I, but I, I would say, I, I mean, I would say God gives you a lot more than lemons. But let's first the simplicity of Adrian's uh, atheist arguments. We're gonna go with lemons. We're gonna go with lemons. Uh, um. But yeah. So like, I, I felt it's a problem that, that that a lot of people don't understand is that. We can equalize all these external uh, factors all we want, but there, there are still internal factors within us that we can't equalize. So we have to accept equality, inequality, but we have to reject injustice, if that makes any sense. So equality, inequality and injustice, are not the, they're not the same thing. Yeah. It's important that we make that distinction. Thoughts, yeah. Adrian? Uh, no, yeah, I mean, 100%. 100%. When it comes to... Uh, 
you know, stuff like uh, wealth inequality. Yeah. Now, that can lead to injustices. Yeah. It can, of course. Can. Of course, of course. But uh, nobody, sorry to, try to cut you off, but yeah. nobody's arguing that tyrannical people don't exist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, continue. Yeah, people with power. Uh, yeah. You know, in a capitalist system where capital is the yeah. most important thing, yeah, some people will use that to do negative things. A lot of people, though, will use that to do positive things, right? Yeah. That does exist, obviously, of course. When it comes to wealth inequality, though, I think for a while, conservatives were kind of not paying too much attention to it. Generally, I think it's not that big of an issue, but very clearly throughout history, wealth inequality, like overt wealth inequality, has had negative effects always. It's led to a lot of chaos, not yeah. specifically or, or people have injustices done yeah. to them, but generally yep. people get like jealous. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's a little high schoolish way to put it. No, it's true. It's true. But people are very get very envious of uh, when they see people have a lot more than them, right? When you have social media, people that glamorize all this wealth and stuff, people just want to tear it all down, make it all equal, make it all loving, you know, let's have sex in the park and all that shit, you know, my bad. Uh, you know, they just want to broadly demolish all these systems uh -huh. that they think, that they think has done them an injustice, but it hasn't necessarily. Mm -hmm. In some cases, and Jordan Peterson has talked about this, right? Yep. The most important thing is freedom, or not freedom, equality of opportunity, yep. right? Give certain sets of uh, chances, an equal set of chances to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And attempt this, right? This equality of outcome bullshit, no, that's not right. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, everybody should have uh, generally uh, the same shot at certain things. But yeah, it, it, there comes certain inherent advantages that some people have over others. Like I'm not going to be able to play basketball. Okay. I'm five, nine. I'm not going to be able to play basketball or at, at a professional level, obviously. Right? Yeah, but Adrian, what about Isaiah Thomas, man? Isaiah Thomas was five, nine and he was, he was, okay. I don't know these back basketball players. Time. I know the, uh, <laughs> back in his time, man, he was, he was a really good point guard. I don't know Isaiah Celtics, Thomas. Man. I know. I don't know. What's the other one? He was in. Well, Space there's two Jam. Isaiah Thomas. There was, no, 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 there's no, no, no. Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, nineties, Detroit Pistons. There's Isaiah Thomas, 2010s Boston Celtics. I don't know who any of those people well, are. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> all good, all good. Well, Muggsy. Uh, I know Muggsy Bogues. That's oh, who I know. Oh, that, oh, oh my God. I just realized he was even, oh my God, he's like 5'3". He, yes. Yeah, he's 5'3". Yes. Short. So, Adrian, if he, he was... If he can he do was, it. If he could do it, Adrian, we, we, we all could do it, man. We all could do it. <laughs> he was, that man was something special, man. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to move on to basketball. Because I feel yeah. like this interesting this conversation. I mean, as much as I love talking about the NBA and the playoffs right now are very, very spicy. I'm going to save mm -hmm. that for another uh, guest just because I'm really enjoying this conversation. Yeah. You said something a second ago about we all have different privileges. And this is going to upset a lot of people, but I, I think I'm going to conjure up the courage and just say it. A lot of people use the terms white privilege. Now, I have a problem with this because as, as someone who's not white, by the way, as someone who is, you know, I think I'm Egyptian and I'm definitely not white passing. As someone who isn't white, I have to say that I have a big problem with white privilege. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't think there is such thing as white privilege. Or I guess there is white privilege. But if there's white privilege, there is Egyptian privilege. There is, I don't know, Sudanese privilege. There is Chinese privilege. Like... Everyone has their own privileges, whether that be of race, socioeconomic class, you know, intelligence, height, strength, genetics, attractiveness, 
like you know so, so you know social so, social skills everyone has different privileges everyone has different quote unquote gifts so the problem is i feel like in our society uh, people like to focus on the one privilege white privilege uh, uh, right i find that offensive i yeah sure i find that offensive to be i, I mean somewhat i mean not like i don't cry about it but i i find that <laughs> distasteful because like i said like there are privileges that i have that i've received that i felt you know other people didn't have and i felt like i was actually undeserving them so i'm not going to uh -huh. name these you know institutions but there are a lot of universities out there many universities that i'm sure you know my friends and you know go to um that prefer people of different races so for example if you're of a minority then the the grades that you know that would they would ask of you would be lower uh -huh. so for example the law school that i'm thinking of right now where if you're of a certain uh minority group you they were willing to accept you or look into your application with a lower gp and a lower lsat score there are universities that publicly say if we have two candidates with the same grades and same supplementary application score for an undergrad program that I will leave unnamed, um, the one that is a minority will always have, will always be preferred. Yeah. So that, like, like I, as someone who is a minority, I, I find that, I find that offensive because like we've all, listen, we've all had race encounters. We've all had, we've all had the, I'm, not maybe all, but many of them have. Many of us had them. I've had a couple, but they, they don't like. The thing is that they don't define me, right? The, no. So these couple people that were I don't know un, didn't like immigrants or Arabs or whatever it may be. Th that person is not deciding the fate of my career. That person does not decide the fate of my, you know, law school admission. My, you know, my 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 interviews for when I'm looking for a job. Like that person does not define my life. Yeah, yeah. And, and at best can can maybe be a blockade, maybe be you know a, a challenge. But at the end of the day, your life is in within your hands, and everyone has different privileges. Mm -hmm. So the idea that all these white people, man, you know, they have this privilege. Like a, a, a lot of like, I know a lot of very, 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 very well off, well off, you know, ethnic people, and they get all these privileges when they're when they're applying to universities, and. Mm -hmm. I had a very comfortable life. I know people that had a way more comfortable life than me. And I know people who are, quote unquote, you know, white and, you know, like all these other terms that go term white oppressor, whatever people like to call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that didn't, that, like, they didn't experience my privilege because they grew up in a place where right. they were very poor and they, they, just, there was little privilege. So right. I think we, have, we need to, like, there's, the fact that even we're living in a Western country, that's enough privilege. So I think we need to stop calling it white privilege and start calling it individual privilege because we all have a unique set, like set of privileges yeah. that differ from person to person. Yeah. Okay. When it comes to uh, white privilege, like it is a very charged term. Okay. Okay. Something we gotta hammer in though is that there are certain aspects that white people do have privilege. Now, the issue is that this term is often used to, you know. Uh, label the you know the white people as the oppressor as racist yep. as sorry this, one more that. thing it's also used to imply that people of other races cannot have a privilege or do not have privileges right 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 but when it comes to, specifically to you know African Americans yeah you know the neighborhoods they're born into right they don't have yep. very good schools there's a lot yeah, of, of crime a lot of drugs right yep. 
obviously not a very good situation, right? White people that are born in like a suburb or, you know, a higher class neighborhood. Yeah, that's a privilege, right? Right. But, but that's, privilege, but that's exactly, so, it's not being white. Exactly. Exactly. It's not being white. It's being upper class. It's green privilege. Exactly. It's green. Ding, privilege. ding, ding. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's, it's a socioeconomic privilege, right? Yeah. So the problem isn't that they're black. The problem isn't that they're white. The problem is that we have a problem where a lot of, of, of black children are growing up yep. in a predominantly violent neighborhood. And a lot of white children, well, it's not a problem. It's a good thing for, for the white kids. Um, they're growing up in comfortable neighborhoods, right? The problem isn't white and black. The problem is we have to fix those areas of low socioeconomic class. Because they're, I, cause they're black. I have a friend, black friend. His mom's a doc, Sorry, his, his mom's a lawyer. His dad's a doctor. I have I have, uh, have an, uh, another, I, I want to say friend. I, I, I actually... I would say a friend. I have a friend um, who, you know, I, 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 like his parent, like his dad's a drug dealer. Like his dad was, I'm not from this unknown city that is close to mine. Uh, for anyone who's where I, li- where I live. Um, like his, his, his dad deals meth, right? And he, he like, I remember I was, I was talking to him and he's very focused on school. He's a very good kid, but like his, 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 his environment at home I was I want to say privileged. You know what I mean. I would say very, very just that lifestyle. That just they're just. You know what I mean. So you can't tell me that. Like you can't you can't tell me like I'm sorry, but you just I, I'm sure there there are disadvantages that that black kid has went through. And I'm sure the advantages that maybe white that white kid has had. But you cannot tell me that in the grand scheme of things, that my my black friend whose mom's a lawyer, his dad's a doctor, has a way worse life than my friend who's grew up in a very very bad part in a, in a very pr- bad, bad like in a very predominantly white town that's not the cleanest you know v- very, like very like substance abuse substance abuse there is is of you know of a high right rate so that's my problem is that people just they they they, they, they don't make that distinction it's important to make that distinction because it's if you don't make that distinction then you can't find the solution why is that because if you think the privilege is white is being white then, then the problem will be fixed. You have to understand that the privilege is, like, sure, there is a small set of white privilege, but it's predominantly, largely, a socioeconomic privilege. And when you understand that, when you accept that, then we can both, you know, or all of us, we can unite together and and begin. Um, how do I say this? Um, you know, solving some of the problems that disadvantaged people have, like, like, yeah. because if you don't understand the problem, then how can you solve it? I mean, I, I have, uh, you know, well, not, not so much personal, but uh, a, a somewhat personal example uh, of this. It's regarding male privilege, let's say, not so much white privilege, but uh, one time I went to a computer science contest when I was in the 10th grade, right? And, uh, you know, don't ask me how we did. We didn't do very well uh, in this contest, but there was one group of coders, right, that automatically passed to the next stage. And that group was the one group of all girls, okay? Automatically, no matter how good or bad they did, they went on to the next stage. That's complete bullshit, okay? That's complete bonkers, okay? That is uh, that is hillbilly uh, doo-doo, okay? And by the way, I it, see the same thing. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> when it comes to, uh, in my high school, I had a female computer science teacher, okay? 
always, always, always. She went around, girls, come join the course. Come join the course. Oh, let's have something called a hackathon. They had this thing called a hackathon, a girls hackathon, where girls, whoever's interested in coding can come and they'll do some coding things. They'll see how computer science works and all that. I have strong issues with that, okay? Because the fact is... Well, hold on, hold on. You have strong issues with girls coding? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What? What'd you say? Well, you have strong issues with girls coding? No, I don't have any issues with girls coding. Oh, I was, oh, I was about to say. Sorry, okay. I was about to say this podcast is going to take the completely wrong route. Okay, because that's how... Okay, okay. Please oh, just... I have no issues we, with females coding. Okay, okay. So just... Well, what was the thing that you had a... <laughs> awkward. So what was the thing that you had that you had a problem with with your uh, with your teacher? What was what was the problem? So the teacher went around only collecting girls, right? To do oh, I see, a girls I see. hackathon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the way I see it is most of those girls didn't go on and do computer science, right? I knew many of those girls didn't go on to do computer science in grade 12 or whatever. If it did anything was discourage some boys who might've been interested in, in coding, but they didn't know to then take computer science because they only had the event for girls, mm, right? I see, I see. And for the record, I mean, we're already living at a point in time where women in, tra in like traditional subject areas that there really weren't a lot of them are like flooding in, right? And it's not a bad thing, but no, it's, it's great. definitely it's great. change. Yeah, I got a friend in engineering science, right? In, uh, in UFT, hard, yeah. uh, hard program, yeah, plenty yeah. of women. My program, so many women. Yeah. Like five years ago, there would have been barely any women. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's important that we 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 give women and, and people in every group an opportunity to, to choose to to make their selection. But I think it's also important that we're not pressuring them. Like, yeah. the, the goal the goal should not be once again the goal should not be equity. The goal should not to have fifty percent women, fifty percent men. The goal right. should be to give everyone an opportunity exactly. to to, ha to select whatever program they feel they they're interested in. They feel they find attractive. Exactly. And I feel like once again, people are people are coming from a good place. They 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 fail to make that distinction right right and by the way i like like i said i like i said uh, there were times before where i was uh, applying to jobs and they were like we like ex-employer really values diversity so if you are a member of these ethnic groups please let us know so we can give you priority or something stupid like that uh -huh. like well, like with all the respect i think it's dumb i think i i i understand the idea of you know having a diverse group of you know staff but Intellectual diversity is more important than physical diversity. And like competence is more important than physical diversity. I would feel offended if I was selected for a position simply because I was ethnic. Right? My sister, she uh, you know, got a, a job like in, in her gap year before between her bachelor's and master's at an institution that I'll leave unnamed, um, you know, for legal reasons. Um, that that after she got hired, her manager told her. Well, you know, we really, we really thought, really liked you. She asked him, "Why did you hire me?" He was like, "Well, we thought you'd you'd add, you'd, you'd add a lot of diversity to our, to our team." Her answer wasn't, "You impressed us in the interview. You had a good experience." Her answer was, "We thought you would add diversity to our team." And my sister was very offended because, so he's basically he's basically what, what, what he, the message that is coming off to a lot of minorities is that. Oh, you guys are not competent. You guys are incompetent. But it's okay. We're gonna hire you guys to be our token ethnic guy or token ethnic girl like that like pick the best person for the job and eliminate injustice and eliminate you know discrimination but once again inequality does not mean does not mean injustice for example I'm, I think it's actually important that I name these universities universities like Queen's University and West and University of Western Ontario those schools are predominantly white 
University of Toronto, Waterloo, um, what's other school? Even York. I would say York as well, even Ryerson. Those schools are predominantly ethnic. So why is nobody trying to equalize um, race in U of T, Waterloo, Ryerson, New York? But they're trying to equalize that in Western and Queens and Guelph. I think Guelph. I think Guelph too. Laurier, like a lot of these other schools. Why is that? Like, first of all, those like the the, the student culture from those different schools attracts different type of people. For example. Somebody, uh, I'm Egyptian. My parents encouraged me to stay home. I went to McMaster. My parents were definitely not very fond of that, right? Most of my white friends, their parents had no zero problem with them leaving. I have many ethnic friends. Their parents would not let them leave home. Thus, that's why a lot of these commuter schools have more ethnic people. So the problem is the like the problem isn't racism, right? It can be sometimes it is, but not every inequality is racism. Right, it's important that we make that distinction. It's 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 important that we, it's important that we're 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 we're, we're observant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any, any thoughts? I mean, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I see it with uh, UTM. It's it's majority, like vast majority, visible yep. minority. You know, like yep. race doesn't play much of a, like noticing race doesn't play much of a, you know doesn't take up much space in my head but uh yeah i mean sometimes uh i'll see a white person i'll be like oh yeah that's right there sometimes there are white people because it's it's usually just everybody is uh chinese or indian but it, i mean it makes sense why there is so many uh ethnic people but i don't see this inequality in right in representation and all of a sudden think oh whoa, there's some major injustice that occurred here whoa what's going on here are they not accepting white people into the school like it's not a problem, right? So I problem. like so and and, and like uh, I, I UTM is in Mississauga, mm-hmm. and by the way, Mississauga is predominantly you know um, Arab. Bremson is predominantly um, you know Indi- Indian or South, uh, Indian Pakistani. I would say even uh, you know think... South Asian in general. But like yeah, yeah. so that makes sense. But the problem is nobody cares about so like you know equalizing UTM. Why do people care about equalizing Queens and Western? Like like let it be how it is. And like right. I said, attack injustice, not inequality. But anything before we move on to my last and final topic conversation, and uh, it's going to be dicey, but we're we're at one minute fifteen uh-huh. right now. Sorry, we're an hour fifteen, but no. try to finish it off uh, as soon as we can. Any no, no no other comments? No, I think we covered. So I Jordan Pearson once again shout out to my boy Jordan Pearson. If if, uh, if, if you guys didn't get the hand, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Pearson um, said something very interesting at his talk that we went to the other day, Adrian and I. Um, and he said that there's a common misconception by people on the left or um, people's, um, I guess a lot of people on the left, not most people on the left are not very religious, but people, uh, you know, like a lot of people on the left have uh, this understanding that, or this viewpoint that compassion is the most important virtue. And there's no doubt that compassion is a very important virtue, but it, I I, I I don't think that it's the most important. I don't I, and I definitely don't think it's solely the most important. Like I don't think it's important alone. And I well, think you know, not even to say that forcing compassion is not very compassionate. Well, of course, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, I also think that I, I I think the reason why a lot of people in the West believe that compassion is the greatest virtue is, like it or not, Western civilization was predicated on Judeo Christian values uh, like a value system right uh-huh. so at some point in the west there were only you know christians and jews at some point just like for example in the middle east 
they're at some point mostly Muslims, or at some point even only Christians and Jews, or at some point only Jews and, um, what's the word? I guess idol worshippers. But pagans. my point is, pagans, pagans. But my point is, is that there was a time, like I said, where like the, like, like the country that we live in was a quote-unquote Judeo Christian country. And so I think that the, the, the real cause of this, of this you know, motion that compassion is the most important virtue is that a lot of people have this misunderstanding that, a lot of Christians actually have a misunderstanding that God is nothing but compassion. I think that's incorrect. God is infinitely compassionate from my Christian viewpoint. But God is also just. So God, God is also wise. Do you know what I mean? God, God is many things. God is so. Like, even if you don't believe in God, I, like, like you know, um, I guess hypothetically, if a God was to exist, he would, he would, he must be perfect, right? He can't only be compassionate. He also must be the perfect judge. Well, not really. Uh, how 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 can you not be? Okay, well, you remember you gave the example of like somebody that made a phone, right? Oh, but somebody must have made the phone, right? Where'd the phone come from if nobody made it, right? Okay. Well, somebody made the phone, right? Like a person okay. made the. They're not perfect. Okay. Just because you made something doesn't mean you're right, perfect. right, right. But right, but here's the thing: the more complex that creation is, the more competent that person needs to be. The world we live in is infinitely complex. Uh, so thus, thus, well, thus, thus, the God that created the world has to be infinitely competent. Well, how about this? How about this? The phones that are created, right, are a product of immense, like, specialization. One okay. person makes this little drill, another person makes this wire, right, and then they all assemble it together. What if there are multiple gods? What if there are multiple gods that all did different things? Okay, I mean, I there are many reasons why I don't believe so, personally, mm -hmm. but that could be a different debate, but that, that's relevant to... Let's assume for a second that's a possibility, but my, my, yeah. my greater point is that these multiple gods, quote-unquote, or this god, right, he can't be nothing but compassion. And the bigger problem is when you have this assumption, when you have the assumption that the most important virtue is compassion, and then you use that, you know, assumption to create uh, political systems, a lot of things go wrong. Like, are you following what I'm, what I'm trying to get here, Adrian? Is that, the problem with communism, socialism, or I'd say even like communism, just to not offend anyone, right? Uh, is that communism is on paper is predicated on the idea of compassion from those according, for, is it from those according to their needs from to each according from each according to their ability uh, uh, to to to, court, okay, to each according to their means. There we go. From each according to um, I can tell you guys from each Carl. according to their ability. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I remember now. From each according to their um, needs to each according to their ability. <laughs> no. Is it, bro? I let me tell you, man. I'm rusty on my Karl Marx uh, reading, man. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. So it's from each according to their ability to, to to each according to their needs. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay, my bad, my bad. There we go. Uh, you know, I would have spat it out if you'd have not, you know, corrected me, man. I would have fixed it eventually. But my problem is, is that a statement like that, um, like on, on on paper, it sounds very compassionate, right? From each according to his, uh, to his ability. To each according to his needs. It's like it's a very popular slogan, and 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 like that was like in in by Karl Marx, and it's it sounds positive, right? It sounds wow, like that's that's great. But the 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 problem is that like it's very compassionate, right? Like how wow, like it's so compa what a compassionate you know slogan. But the problem is is that it's only compassion. It's not just right. So somebody, so you your need, 
right, quote unquote, is really more of a want, right? Like if I was to reword this in a, in a, in a practical sense in today. So your need and want should, should also have to do with your ability. So how, how, like the only way you can run a society that functions is to give you according to what you give. If you give everyone to according to what they need and ask, expect them according to what they, what they please to give, no one will give and everyone will need. And thus a society, will, a system will never yeah. be sustained. So it's important that in these political systems, we're compassionate, but more importantly, we're just. And that's a problem yeah. with a lot of these, you know, political systems and political motions that compassion is the most important virtue. We have to be compassionate, 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 compassionate. Yeah. Compassion is great. But justice is just as great. It's, it's, it's the other end of that coin. It's like the yin and yang. Compassion and justice go hand in hand. Very see, glad. See yeah. There? yeah, very glad you said that. One hundred percent. The primary motive for any society is to be a just society. Exactly. A just. Now, of course, we have different interpretations of what would create justice, right? You think God is the ultimate decider of justice? Uh, obviously, you know, and when you die, He sent you to heaven or hell. I think a little differently, a, a little bit more immediately, a little more. Gritty you know, personal. Adrian, I would I would love to debate this with you and prove why, uh, prove why your understanding of quote justice unquote is proof. quote unquote. Uh, I guess demonstrate to you why you know your understanding of justice of God. You know what I think, Adrian? I think I think you need prayers, man. I think I, I think what I need to man is pray for you, and inshallah, man, inshallah, mm -hmm. you're gonna be a Christian one day. I'm telling you, man. Tell you, man. Guys, okay. um, we are running. We are actually a minute, uh, an hour, sorry, an hour and. 22 minutes, so um, we're at about 82 minutes. So it's a bit over our uh, um, one, one, one hour and like you know anticipated mark. But I just want to say one thing before I, before I head out. Of course, thank you to Adrian. But I want to remind you guys that Adrian is an atheist. But I have to, I do have to, I do have to expose you a little bit. Fun story, guys. I remember one time Adrian and I were coming back from a movie theater. And, oh my god! Oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna tell them. Don't worry. Um, and there was a horrible storm. And when I say a horrible rainstorm, I mean literally, guys. I could not see the lines on the highway. I could not see the color, the color of the light. The rain was so strong, I could not see the color of the red or green or yellow light. Mm -hmm. I could not see a meter beyond a meter in front of me. Not even a meter. It was so bad, I could see nothing. And let me tell you guys, I was praying the Our Father the whole time in the car. And so was Adrian. So let it be said that Adrian um, is, is an atheist. But I, I think specifically Adrian, I think he's only an atheist for the simple fact that he, his life's too comfortable, man. I think I think Adrian, wow. if, in life or death situations, man, you, you would convert to Christianity in a heartbeat, man. But I'm gonna pray for you, and hopefully we're gonna have you on another time. Yeah. And I'm gonna prove, and I'm gonna explain to you why God exists. Um, but until then, we we have to sign off. Uh, right. Thank you, Adrian, for coming on. No problem. Um, and I'll, I'll uh, thank you ever for, for you know tuning in and uh, listening to the end of the podcast. I'll uh, catch you guys later.